just a couple of years ago, y'all were just sitting, waiting for the Lord <laughs> to come in flesh. To come in flesh and do something. From Monolith Media, I'm Selena, and this is Monolith Conversations, a show where we talk to professionals, musicians, artists, and everyday icons about their triumphs, struggles, motivations, and everything in between. Hello listeners and welcome to the second episode of the philanthropy section. Today I will be talking to Fadzi who is going to paint a broader picture of Inspire Tutors. Hello and welcome to Monolith Conversations. Hi, how are you? Good, good. And how are you doing? I'm doing good. Kindly introduce yourself. Okay, so my name is Tafadzwa Bimbai Tatendangosi, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Wow, Fadzi. you got a lot of names. Yeah, people got excited when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> so I got three names. Um, and I am the social impact and partnership manager at Inspire Tutors, which so happens to be my brainchild. Um, I studied at the University of Cape Town. I did social development and sociology. And then I came back to Zimbabwe to work with orphan and vulnerable children. Actually, this came about when I was working with foster kids back in Cape Town. But what I like doing during the weekends, which is probably (laughs) more about me, (laughs) I'm into me time and just, you know, connecting with God during the weekends. I love taking walks, chilling with my family, spending a lot of time doing some self-development stuff. So, yeah. That's pretty awesome. What inspired you to start Inspired Tutors? Okay, so I was working with some foster kids in Cape Town um, at the time. I was in attachment at an organization called Home From Home. And they had a program for some of the kids that I was taking in for counseling. Mm -hmm. And so they would have tutors come in and assist, especially kids who had experienced like really, really big trauma. So I was like, this is like a really good support structure for Mm -hmm. kids that I'm I'm seeing. Um, I wonder if they're actually doing it in Zim. So when I came back for vacation, we realized actually no one in Zim was doing it. Like people do the the typical like traditional stuff like, oh, we're from this church group or we're from this family. They come through, they leave stuff and they leave. So it's like a really like touch and go type of situation. Mm -hmm. But what this organization was doing was very relational based. So this kid is developing a relationship with this tutor and emotionally it was doing quite a lot of good things for them, even at school. Like, the feedback I was even getting from teachers was the child's flourishing. So I was like, definitely, we need some sort of support structure for kids um, who are in institutions back in Zim. It's unfortunate we don't have a lot of foster care stuff going on Mm -hmm. um, or adoptions. Very seldom happens. But um, when we came back, that's exactly what we saw. So that's when Inspired Tutors was born. Okay. Please explain to us how you're running Inspired Tutors. Okay, so how we've been running it is very volunteer-based. So mm-hmm. when we came in, we decided, obviously, my friend and I, it's just the two of us. It's a lot of work, and we're working with 40-plus kids. So we were like, no, we need to get some people roped in, especially a lot of young people, because the relationship, the peer relationship that they have with younger people is a much stronger one than the ones that they have with their moms in the homes or with their teachers at school. And so when we first started, we had about 15 volunteers and they were coming in on a daily basis. 
Uh, I won't lie, it was like one of the worst case scenarios we've ever had. <laughs> How so? <laughs> because the kids were not used to people coming in every day. They're used to people coming in and leaving. So oh. us coming in every day was them having to actually emotionally attach themselves to us. And for them, we got a lot of testing. We would get questions like, are you coming back tomorrow? Every single day for two weeks, are you coming back tomorrow? Or they were acting out like rebellious stuff, painting windows, throwing stuff at us and trying to get us to leave because they're so used to people leaving their lives. That's the reason why they're here. And so it was like That's one of those. Sad. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And one day we just said, you know what, we're just going to come. We're going to sit. Whoever comes for their homework. Whoever comes to get extra lessons, that's it, will help people. But if they don't want it, then at least they have to come and tell us that. We're not just going to leave. And so that day they actually came and they sat down. They were like, okay, as a collective, we finally understand you guys ain't going anywhere. <laughs> that's good. And so for the first time in a month, that's when we actually had really good, proper, ongoing lessons every afternoon for the past two years now. Wow. It has been two years already. Yeah, it's going to be two years, actually, on the 20th of February. We're in our birthday month, y'all. <laughs> well, big shout out to you. I think your organization is an Aquarian. Yeah. I don't know what that does for you for <laughs> the Zodiac business, but, well, I hear good things about Aquarians. Yeah. Um, okay, describe a typical day in your organization. Okay. So, in the mornings, we have the toddlers. Because we have an early development program that we've got going on. Mm -hmm. um, we realized that the damage control we're doing with the other kids was because in the beginning, when they're about two or three, they don't get a lot of stimulation to learn. And so we started an early development program. So in the morning, we just have them come and do a lot of play therapy stuff. Play on the swings, talking, singing, all that kind of stuff that develops their language. So by the time they go to school, it's not such a difficult thing to even speak English. So, yeah, that's what we do in the mornings. Who knew? Right? <laughs> and then in the afternoons, that's when we have our educational therapy and mm -hmm. our supplementary tutoring program. And so the educational therapy is for the dyslexic kids. I think my partner in the previous episode had said that it's actually a learning disorder. And we've got quite a few kids here who do have that, about 10. Mm -hmm. um, and so we take them for educational therapy every afternoon just so that we can help them manage their disability. So when they go to school, learning things like spelling and reading, understanding what letters and sounds go together, that's the kind of stuff that we'll be doing with them. And the rest of the other kids, um, they do supplementary tutoring because the system moves kids a lot. Mm -hmm. And because of that, some of them have quite big learning gaps. So it's not, um. yeah, it's not, it's not something that's crazy to find a 15-year-old who's in Form 1 or an 18-year-old in Form 4. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, they probably weren't in school at a previous home. When they moved here, when the time they got to school, they had already advanced in age. So mm -hmm. we're doing a lot of like catch up stuff and okay, fine, because you're in Form 4 and you missed Form 1 and 2, we have to catch you up to what you're doing now so you understand concepts moving forward. Okay. So that's like the typical day. day. All right. <laughs> and how big are your classes? So with the toddlers, <laughs> with, the to with the toddlers, it's about nine kids now. We have nine kids. We started with 12. Okay? Mm -hmm. And what happened to the other three? They went to school. Oh! 
Congratulations! Thank you. That is such a big thing, right? Yes. They actually went to school, and are probably doing, doing, doing really well. They're That's doing good. really, really well. They're that coping. So that was like for us. We really still need to do this because mm-hmm. it was actually experimental when we started it last year. Well, <laughs> experiment done and dusted, and yeah. achieving good results. That's I'm very so good. We're so excited for them. And then with the other kids, it's one on one. Because okay. we realized with the groups, it's like in the class setting, you're in a class of 60. Mm-hmm. And then if something misses you, it misses you, you know. And then when you come back home, they're dealing with a house that has 18 kids or 18 to 20 kids to one mother. So doing homework or anything is close to impossible to even get it done. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, no, we actually have to do a one-on-one worst case scenario. A tutor has two students to them. But usually that's a good ratio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, comparing it to the one that you speak of, of about 18 to 20 children mm. per mom yeah. versus them having that one on one attention. Yeah. Tell me when they do come for this one on one class, mm-hmm. do you then happen to delve into other matters that are not business of the day? Yes. Yeah, majority of the time we actually do because they go through a lot of stuff at school. I remember yesterday, actually. Um, one of my students before they came for educational therapy, she hid from me. Hey, that's actually something that's really common here because <laughs> she struggles a lot with reading. And so she ran away. She didn't want to see me. I was like, you know, what? when you're ready, you'll come find me. Mm-hmm. So she eventually came. We sat down and I asked her the simplest question that a lot of parents probably don't ask is how was school today? And she said it was OK. And majority of the time, you'll jump to the next question. But I was like, you don't seem okay. You mm-hmm. would never run away from me if it was a really good day. You don't usually do that. And so I said, do you have friends? And she immediately said, no. She only plays with kids at the home. So I can't delve into a lesson when there's such big issues mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So we had to talk about how she's being bullied at school because she can't read or write. And some people call each other to come look at her work because they oh, think it's no. so funny. You know, so there's a lot of emotional stuff you have to unpack despite the academic side of things that we always have to then delve into because at the end of the day, no one's going to say, oh, what's your emotional report card? If yeah. I want to see your academic report card. So despite, despite the emotional stuff, yeah, the academic stuff is there, but we always have to unpack stuff before we get into the, the tutoring. That saddens me on so many levels because I'm a parent and to hear something like that is, did you report to the teacher that, you know, this kid is being bullied because they can't read or write properly? It's very difficult in most in most cases. Um, in our case, we have to go through the superintendent of the home because that is that is not our place to then go straight to the teacher and be like, look, mm-hmm. in your classroom, this is exactly what's going on. They are the actual parent of the of the child and mm-hmm. so they go in our place um but they have a lot of scenarios where especially if we're to look at a lot of homes and the kids that go into public schools from those homes they are definitely being bullied for different things the mere fact that they probably don't have parents or they're in an institution or they can't read or they can't write they're segregated to the point where all they have is each other so you'll find they're always doing things in groups. There's a lot of mob mentality when you're dealing with institutionalized children because they really see themselves as this is just us and this is all we've got. Um, so there has to be a lot of education on the public side for parents to even tell kids to embrace difference. 
you know, some people don't have both parents or mm-hmm. some people have a single parent mm-hmm. or some people just come from a place that's so different from yours. But at the end of the day, you cut me, I cut you, we still bleed with the same thing. That's so true. I hope the parents listening do caution their kids when they go to school that we should embrace each other. And it doesn't matter the difference Mm. or differences because we'll have plenty and we can all not be the same. But I hope the parents listening to this do have that conversation with their children. Do you feel like you're making a difference? Yeah. I have days where I feel like I don't. (laughs) But that's... That's when I don't do a lot of self-reflection. Um, but I, I do feel like I've made a difference. Like, for example, with the kids who are now in preschool. Like, for us, that was... Three like, whole oh human gosh. kids. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are flourishing, you know, and they come and they speak in English. And I'm like, yes, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> it must be a good it's feeling, really isn't it? It is a, a good feeling. And then through our mentorship program, because we have a mentorship program for the senior girls. Mm-hmm. And seeing two of our girls going to university, for us, that was the scariest thing ever. Because when we came, they weren't even doing anything. So we said, you can't be here. And just chill and Mm -hmm. do nothing Mm -hmm. after your A-levels. You have to go to school. And so now they're in their second year at um, Midland State University. And they're, like, doing the most, you know, passing all their courses, talking about going into internships now. And we're like, okay, just a couple of years ago, y'all were just sitting Waiting for the Lord (laughs) to come in flesh flesh and do something. So it's the small little milestones that then remind you that, you know, you are making a difference even on days that it feels like there's absolutely nothing you've done. Yeah. Well, congratulations on um, all that you're achieving. I think it's very important for us as monoliths to give you that credit because you are doing something that's noteworthy mm-hmm. and congratulations on the girls that have improved Thank and the you. boys also that have improved and so have much. gone into different stages. Yeah. With the current economic situation, how has this made things difficult for your organization? Oh gosh. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, that, that question is, is daunting. So we have a very expensive program because even with the price hikes, in mm-hmm. transport, getting tutors to come here and go back home is extremely expensive. And we had been going on this rotation system within the admin where each and one of us gets like a temp job to get money mm-hmm. and put it back <laughs> into side tutors. And recently it's like no one's taking anybody. So now we're on this thing of starting side businesses and putting the money back into inspired tutors because this this was the dream to just mm-hmm. give up and say it's so expensive and we can't do anything, getting stationary, uh, getting transport allowances, and just say, you know what, we did our part, let's just stop, would be extremely devastating for all of us and for the kids as well. Yeah, also considering you've put a lot of effort and time into yeah. this, it's not something that you can just walk away from. Definitely. So the economic situation is just, right now it's just so difficult to, to even convince someone, can you donate, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so now it has tried to, we've tried to come up with some self-sustaining projects, but still it's just difficult. It's difficult. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, how can the public help? The public could help with donating. Please don't stop donating. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we would like to have more people, even 
just get into the culture of volunteering. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as, as we speak about it now that we had 15 volunteers, it was after like two or three months of asking people to just give up their time and come through and help kids. I don't think a lot of, of people, especially in homes, speak about giving off time and, and going to spend time with people, giving off their skills um, or their and services. Consistently, and consistently, like you doing mentioned. That. Yeah. yeah, it's just... It's very, very, very difficult. In other countries, it's like a second thought, you know, mm-hmm. before people even go to school or take gap years. They're doing something for the community. But here, it's like a completely different setup. Um, so despite just the donation side or even coming up with, with fundraising events and approaching us and saying, look, we've we've heard about you guys. We know what you guys are doing. I can't physically come and spend time with the kids every day, but I would want to give off my events for this event, I'm going to dedicate this to just raising funds for you guys. That will be something that relieves us of the stress of consistently thinking where we're going to get the money from every single month. Mm-hmm. So that is something that we were looking into as well to get people to continuously know that we exist and raising awareness of the different issues that institutionalized children could go through. Okay. Exactly how much in figures per month do you need to keep your organization running yeah so per month on the bare minimum we would need six thousand eight hundred and ninety two dollars just to function okay (laughs) and the bare minimum is like tutors allowances admin salaries rent and utilities because right now we are based at harari children's home but um at the present moment we're looking to branch out so that we can have a place that we can call our own and have different kids as well come through and get help who may not be from an institution because we also want to help some vulnerable kids as well or people who have children who have learning disabilities mm-hmm. but are looking for a place where they can bring their kids to get help. Mm-hmm. And then we also want to have proper marketing strategies. It's been so difficult just like relying on social media, mm-hmm. but we can't afford to go into a radio station and be like, look, we're paying for this much just so that you guys can air our adverts to get volunteers or to mm-hmm. get people to donate and stuff like that. And the last thing would be the sisterhood sessions, the mentoring side of things, which is our program. We really, really, really want these kids to have people come through and assist them emotionally to prepare them for 18 when they have to leave. Mm-hmm. That is the law. 18 years old, you have to go. And that's like for us, whenever we hear, oh, this kid is turning 18 next year, it's daunting. When they leave, what's the plan? And so our mentorship programs have, for example, with the kids that have graduated and are going into university now, mm-hmm. we want to do so much more with the ones that we have now. So that's where all the money will be going on a term basis. We would need 27567 Per school term? Yeah. Okay. Um, Is there someone in your organization that is responsible for handling finances? Yes. So one of our trustees, Mrs. Ditima, God bless her. She is from Mustard Seed Financial Advisory Firm. Mm -hmm. And she handles all our financial stuff. Um, She has been absolutely amazing from the get-go for the past two years. And she's been a mentor, if I should say. (laughs) Well, that's good. Um, It's gives us confidence to know that when we do help the money will go exactly where it's needed looking into the future what is your vision for inspired tutors maybe short term and long term as well yeah short term right now is finding a home you Mm -hmm. know 
finding a place that we can settle down, put our roots down, and hopefully say when we're here, everyone is so welcome to come through and just from all walks of life to get help for your dyslexic child or your child with ADHD and we can assist you. And then for the long-term goals to have that same branch in all parts of the country. Um, we do understand the grave need from social services that are actually saying that there's 1.2 million orphans in this country who are registered. And they're all, most of them And there's a lot homes. more there's that are not more. It happens every day. And there's yeah. a lot more who are not registered as well. So there's a huge need that we're actually trying to address but with the kind of funds that we have personally, that does not even go far <laughs> in trying to reach 1.2 million kids. And so the long term would just have our model being replicated across the country. We understand this is also a re- original problem. Mm-hmm. So Southern Africa in itself, mm-hmm. having to have inspired tutors everywhere where kids in orphanages can get help, where vulnerable children on the street can get help academically and psychosocially Mm -hmm. that would be a massive change even probably reducing things like early child marriages child prostitution because kids then tend to go in all sorts of different directions right now we have a drug substance abuse problem in this country what if someone just came and said look i will take you every day for math and english until you pass your old levels Mm -hmm. and we'll figure out together how we get through this it would make a massive difference to the society. I I think so too. Well, um, I hope the right people are listening in terms of getting you aid, the different kind of aids that you yeah. need. And as Monolith, we would like to throw a fundraising event oh for you. <laughs> it will be a high tea mm. and we'll announce all of the details once we have stitched everything together. Um, we want to be able to get to the right audience and to make as much noise as we can about this because 1.2 million registered orphans Mm. and of those 1.2 inspired tutors are only reaching 56 56 children so (laughs) it's self-explanatory the need is there and we want to help your organization by just putting so much out there as to shine the light on you Mm -hmm. and your organization so that we can help as much as we can and we also want to thank you for the work that you're doing it cannot be easy to wake up every day and to know that you're not even going to get paid no one is paying you (laughs) but you're young and you're focused and i'm telling you you're going to do very well and um it's up to us zimbabwe and beyond to make sure that these girls have everything that they need so that our community is well rounded and they get the help that they Mm -hmm. truly deserve Mm -hmm. thank you so much to father for sitting with us and we look forward to throwing this event for you next month We're and so excited. yes and <laughs> guys tell all of your friends <laughs> forward this interview to as much people as you can yeah. so that we can get the word out there tell me if i want to get in contact with inspired tutors how do i do that so that's great um so you can send us an email at admin and inspired tutors.org 
Okay. Do I need to repeat that? Yes, please. <laughs> Admin at inspiredtutors.org. Okay. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can also then send us a message, 0774-323-826, and we can definitely get in touch with you then. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I wish you nothing but the best, and please help as much as you can. Thank you. And don't stop. Don't give up. Definitely not. It's going to get tough, but I think now that we know about you, yeah. I think there's hope. There's hope. There's, there's hope. There's hope. Thank you so much, <laughs> and I hope you have a good day. You too. Monolith is hosted by Selena. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell your friends. Don't keep it a secret. Help others discover Zimbabwe's everyday icons. And as always, thank you for listening. And don't forget to follow us on social media.